take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at two passages today in the Gospel of Matthew. It'll be very familiar passages. The first is in chapter 22. Under the heading, probably the heading in your Bible, the Great Commandment, where we read, beginning in verse 34, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, he said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on this, on these two commandments, depend all the law and the prophets. And then flip over to chapter 28, uh, the last chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, the last section, passage in the Gospel of Matthew, under the uh, heading, The Great Commission. And so what we just read um, was Jesus speaking, and it was before He went to the cross. And what we're about to read now, He has, um, he has endured the cross, and He has triumphed over the grave, and so his final words under the heading Great Commission are these, beginning in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Four months ago, I stood before you to introduce a purpose statement for the church. And then in a four-part sermon series that I titled, From Mission to Ministry, we considered together this statement and the three specific priorities that emerge from it. And these things, this, this purpose and these priorities, they speak to our mission to our mission as a church, which of course affects how we do ministry together. It affects what we do, it, it, meaning that, that as we put it into practice and plan for the days ahead, it, it, it informs that. And at that time, I also presented you with a model for ministry. Uh, it, it's this model for ministry, and you probably, I'm sure you can't read this clearly, but you may remember the paper, um, but I presented you with this model for ministry. It, it's simply a framework, 
to help structure and organize what I'm trying to say uh, to you from the pulpit and through uh, other means of communication. Uh, by the way, there are copies. We've put more copies of this model on the back table, and you can grab one uh, after the service and take it home with you. But, but this, this is simply a tool that provides uh, maybe some necessary hooks on which to hang our thoughts. Or it's a roadmap that kind of helps chart the course ahead. And when I heard, or I heard, I should say, I heard uh, that when Fritz was here three weeks ago, Fritz Moga from William Jessup University, by the way, quick aside, I heard wonderful feedback about the uh, William Jessup sermon series. Uh, I talked with them from their side. Uh, I've got wonderful feedback from them about you. <laughs> and I've heard from some of you and have gotten wonderful feedback from you about them. And so I'm just, wonder, uh, I'm just very, very thankful that, that that was a blessing to everyone involved. But when Fritz was here, um, I was told that he asked the congregation if you knew these things. It, namely, if you knew and remembered our purpose and priority, and to my great encouragement, apparently many of you did. Uh, and I was, I was so pleased to hear that um, not only had you not forgotten these things, but in the case in, of some of you, you were actually over the past four months, you've actually kind of been working through them. And so, uh, not that I don't believe Fritz, I do, but I would love to see that for myself. I would, I would love to see that. And so I'm just curious, uh, by a show of hands, how many of you remember our purpose and priority? Okay. Now, don't be shy. If you do, put it up there. Okay. All right. How many of you remember this model? Okay. How many of you understand this model? Okay. How many of you can explain the model? Okay. This is not unexpected. It was simply, as I shared then, and I repeat now, it was simply an introduction. But beginning today, we want to flesh it out. I want to revisit these things. I really want us to know this and understand it and be able to articulate it. We need, hear this, we need to get behind it and buy into it as a congregation. This cannot be my thing. This cannot be the elders' thing. This cannot be the staff's thing. This has to be our thing as a congregation so that as we launch into fall and the year to come, we can do so with direction and confidence. Okay? So today's message isn't necessarily new Today, I just want to review this model, and then next week, I want to provide some specific applications as they pertain specifically 
to East Parkway Church. And the point of all of this, remember, is this. The church works. That means it functions. It behaves. The church works and worships as God intends only when His purpose becomes our practice. Okay? The church works and worships as God intends only when His purpose becomes our practice. So let's be reminded of three things. Why purpose matters. Uh, God's purpose for the church. And then how that will look at our church. It's a critical year for us, but an opportune one. One that's going to require change and greater intentionality. And intentionality means being purposeful. Tom Rayner, I shared this with you at that time four months ago. I'll just repeat it. Tom Rayner, he is the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources. He is the former dean of the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Church Growth at Southern Seminary. Uh, he and his team, um, their entire lives, essentially, are uh, uh, researching and resourcing the local church. And so they have been in numerous churches across the United States. And according to Rayner's research, the most, oh, I should say that some of these churches, they've been in numerous churches across the United States. Some of these churches are struggling churches. Some of these churches are, are not necessarily struggling, but they are in need of revitalization. And they recognize that. And so according to Rayner and his research team, what they have discovered is one of, if not the most common symptom of a struggling church or a church in need of revitalization is uh, its failure to clarify and communicate its purpose. The church needs purpose. And so that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I tried to do four months ago through that four-week series. That's what I'm doing today and next week, and you'll see more of this unfolding in the coming months. I'm trying to clarify and communicate our purpose. purpose. Purpose does indeed clarify who we are and what we're about and why we do or don't do certain things. Purpose unites us around common goals. Purpose rallies us together. It rallies people together. It mobilizes us for ministry. Purpose excites enthusiasm, right? We know this. 
It excites enthusiasm. It builds synergy among the people. It breeds commitment and willing sacrifice. Purpose calls us to something much greater than our individual selves. It recaptures uh, our godly ambitions. It rescues us from bland ambivalence. Purpose compels us to follow God whenever and wherever he leads. And purpose is from God. I'm not just making this up. So Proverbs 16.4 says, as an example, the Lord has made everything for its purpose. That is, God has created all things with a purpose in mind. And obviously, all things uh, includes the church. It includes our church. Now, I am very much aware that some people get uneasy with the notion of being too purposeful in the church, and I am the first to admit that I was one of those people. And so when we... Don't take this the wrong way, okay? Sincerely. But when we hear things like the purpose-driven church, we shy away. As if somehow that is too man-centered or corporate-like. And so we... Me, I, go the opposite extreme, or in the past I have and, and others have, the opposite extreme, and we take kind of a hands-off, what will be will be approach. Here's the kicker, all under the guise of trusting God. And so we shy away from intentionality because we, we think there's this disconnect in our mind, or we think that intentionality exhibits a lack of trust. But trusting God, I'm here to say, trusting God does not mean a lack of intentionality, nor does being intentional mean a lack of trust in God. We exercise both. We exercise trust and intentionality all the time in our everyday lives, don't we? All the time. We exercise trust in God and intentionality to get things done all the time. For example, one of the big decisions big decisions Sally and I came to while on vacation is that I am going back to school to complete my master's program at Fuller Seminary. Thank you. Thank you. This is a huge decision. And so I met with my academic advisor and we sat down and with her experience and expertise, she helped map for me a two-year plan. And I will begin 
in uh, the winter quarter this upcoming January, meaning that I will, at the latest, I will complete the program uh, the winter of 2018. And I'm scared to death. This will require tremendous intentionality on my part. Tremendous intentionality on my part. And tremendous faith in God as I trust Him to direct my path and establish my steps. And if I'm honest with you, this is what I mean about sometimes you have to step back and gain perspective. But if I'm honest with you, with myself, I think that maybe the reason I haven't yet completed my schooling is because I wasn't intentional about it. I wasn't purposeful to count the cost, to chart the course, to make a plan. But listen, even more than revealing a lack of intentionality, I, I, I didn't see this at the time, but in hindsight, I think my, hesitance to, my hesitation to forge ahead with my education was ultimately rooted in a lack of faith. In other words, I was afraid to step out in faith because going back to school with a family, a wife and five young children that need me, and a church that needs me, meant, means taking time away from both family and church. It's a huge commitment of time and, and energy and money. And so rather than trusting God to provide for my family and for our church and for me, I think I see now that I was just leaning too much on my own understanding. And so my point is simply this, that pursuing God and answering His call, pursuing His purposes, inherently involves trusting Him along the way. You can be, we should be, intentional and faithful. We can be purposeful and trust God at the same time, and we should. Successful endeavors typically don't happen by accident. Because work, discipline, and huge amounts of faith Purpose, so long as it's understood biblically, is from God and ultimately for God in that we want to honor and glorify God with our plans. In fact, I now say that the passive, let's wait and see what God does approach, let's wait until God does something approach, is often, maybe even usually, just a pious excuse for sidestepping what he's already made clear. Which brings us to the heart of the matter. What has God made clear regarding the focus of our lives 
and therefore the focus of our life as a church. I mean, there's really not a lot of... We, we don't need to overthink this. What has God made clear regarding the focus of our lives? My life. And what, is, what, what is God saying should be the focus of my life and your life as men and women before God? And then therefore, what should be the focus of our life as a church? And when I, when I think about... Uh, the purpose of the church, God's purpose for the church as it's revealed in the Gospels and then modeled in Acts and, and then further explained in the epistles, I think it's this, which I shared with you four months ago. We exist to fulfill the great commission in the Spirit of the great commandment. We exist to fulfill the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. And these two notable greats, the great commandment and the great commission, are central to life to, to your life in Christ and to life in Christ's church. Not too many things are great, not truly great. They may be good, they may be very, very good, but greatness is unique. Greatness is unusual. Greatness is unusually special. Things that are great, they grab and they hold our attention. Things that are great elicit great response. And so the great commandment, as we just read, the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's to love God with everything you are and with all that you have. And the great commission, the great commission is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything Jesus has commanded you. Is there anything more worthwhile than investing your life into that? And when we put these two greats together, our purpose becomes clear to fulfill, to be part of, to be fulfilling the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. Amen. Your love for God, your worship is intended to excite your witness in this world. It's working itself out. It must. It must work itself out in disciple making. And I love this because it's 100% biblical. <laughs> These are the words of Jesus Christ himself. And it applies. There's another reason I love this. I remember telling Jeff 
when I was thinking through these things, I remember telling Jeff, you know one thing I love about this, Jeff, this purpose statement, is it applies to every church, not just our church. I mentioned to you before, I don't want gimmicky. I don't want trendy. I don't want something in vogue today, but outdated tomorrow. I don't want to begin. I don't want to begin with some catchy phrase and then search the scriptures for random verses to support it. I want just the opposite. I want to begin with the Bible and then find our purpose therein. I want to draw closer to the Lord and to His Word. I want God's Word to inform and, listen, transform. That means change. It transform how we do church together. Any effective model of ministry should affect our doing it should move and mobilize us. Uh, affirming God's purpose means putting that purpose into practice. And so how does God's purpose become our practice? How does it inform or change or direct what we do? And again, this is all review, but I think it's helpful review. I see it in four stages. You'll see this on the handout if you grab one on the way out. I see it in four stages. We have purpose. Priority, practice, and plan. We've already talked about our purpose, fulfilling the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. And then from this emerges a threefold priority. There is an upward priority. Nothing in your life is more important or more satisfying than loving God. Jesus calls this the first and greatest commandment. He appeals to your heart, to your soul, to your mind. In Mark chapter 12, he also mentions your strength, but the focus is not on these individual parts. It's on the allness involved. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. These things are overlapping and interconnected, and they are designed by God to love Him with an all-encompassing love that, that affects every faculty of your being. And the reality is that nobody loves God like this. Nobody but Christ has ever loved God with everything they are and with all they have. And so we must realize that it's the love of God that motivates love for God. We must realize that love itself is a gift from God in that, in that God loved us us long before we ever thought of loving him. God saves us to himself and he sanctifies our many loves and he, he stretches, you've experienced this, he stretches our capacity to love as we should. 
He comes to us and calls us into personal relationship. He is the Lord, your God, it says. And there are depths of grace in that word, your. He is yours. And you are his. It's very personal. And like any relationship, you can experience more of the Lord, more of who He is, more of what He's done and doing, more of what He has yet to do. And the more we grasp God's love for us, the more we'll respond in love for Him, and the more we'll share that love with others. So it's no surprise that after giving the great commandment to love the Lord your God, Jesus says what? He says the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which segues to the Great Commission. If there is real love for God, inevitably there will be real love for people. Brings us to the outward priority. Upward, outward. The Great Commission uh, was among the final words of Jesus before his ascension to heaven. Uh, Isn't it true that last words are lasting words? In a sense, the Great Commission was the culmination of his ministry to that point and a commencement of a new era of ministry soon because of these words. Those disciples would be part of something that literally changed the world. The church of Jesus Christ. And from that day to the present day, the Great Commission has been the clarion call of the church, calling us to something much bigger than we've ever imagined. And that God has purposed to reach and redeem fallen humanity through those of us whom He has already redeemed. God's design for the church, including ours, involves an outward-looking, gospel-going disciple-making priority. We live in a fallen world, right? We are fallen people, but God has picked us up, so to speak, in that He came to us and sought us and saved us to Himself. He rescued us from sin and death. He has redeemed us and restored us in Christ. He has given us His Spirit who indwells us and counsels us and helps us and leads us and bears in us eternal fruit. In addition to all this, He sends us back into the world to be ministers of reconciliation. Listen, as disciples of Christ, not only are we recipients of the gospel, but by God's design, we're to be participants in the gospel. And I want you to see that the command to go and make disciples is just that. A command. The Great Commission is not merely suggested. It's commanded. Jesus just isn't giving us something to think about. 
Hmm, that's a good thought, Lord. Let me, let me just chew on that a while. Now he's sending us forth with clear purpose. Go and make disciples, or as it says in Mark 16, go into all the world and uh, 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 proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I want us. I want this for me. I want this for you. I want us to be so in love with God that our worship naturally spills out in our witness. Where the upward naturally excites the outward. I want us to celebrate the sharing of our faith and treat it as normal everyday Christianity. I want us to live confidently in the power of the gospel, believing that God still saves. Can I just ask you, do you believe that God still saves? Do you believe that God still changes lives? Do you believe that God is still changing your life? Amen. I want you to know that God is still changing our life together. I want the culture of East Parkway to be one where outreach isn't characterized by our programs, but by our people. I want us to be shoulder to shoulder in these things, spurring and cheering each other on. I want to learn from you. I want to learn from your example. had a five-minute conversation with Elva this morning down in the fellowship room, and she just could not help but share about a couple of opportunities God gave her to, uh, to share. I love that. I want to learn from you in that way. I want to be an example for you. I want us to expect, like we just said, we still believe that God changes lives. God still saves. I want us to expect conversions. Baptisms. Where on any given Sunday, we might see someone stand. We saw some stand this morning, right? We might see someone stand and testify, you know what? Two years ago, I didn't know Jesus, but through the, through the ministry of the people in this church, now I do. And I'm growing in the Lord. And growth in the Lord, that stresses the inward priority, right? Upward, outward, inward. By inward, I do not mean ingrown. Just the opposite. It's to grow in the Lord. Upward is loving the Lord. Outward is reaching people for the Lord. And inward is building each other up in the Lord. Disciples of Christ are commissioned to disciple others in Christ. I think last month's baptism service is a great example of inward disciple-making ministry. Baptism itself is discipleship. Those who were baptized were baptized in the name of the Father 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Obviously, there's an outward component too and that love for God was expressed and professed. And there's an, there, there's an outward component. So there's an upward component that love for God was expressed. There's an outward component in that we were in a public place for all to see. As we grow in the Lord, I think we'll find each of these three priorities being put into practice. The upward focus is to love the Lord your God. The outward focus is to reach people for the Lord. And the inward focus is to make disciples. And I just want to say these three priorities, they must be given priority. So you will hear this upward, outward, inward language more and more and more and more. And then from purpose and priority, we move to practice and plan. Practice is simply what we do. It's our current ministry. Plan is what we plan to do. Or our future ministry. This is where vision comes into play. Vision sees what doesn't yet exist, but could or should. Let me update you a little bit on what's happened over the last four months. So Andre and I have met with nearly, we, we tried to, we've, connect, we've reached out to everyone, and we've met with almost all of our ministry leaders. We've met with them individually to discuss their respective ministry, to, uh, to hear where they are encouraged and where they are discouraged, to consider how we might come alongside them. We've prayed with them. And, and then we've met with our ministry leaders collectively. We've held two ministry workshops that, that brought our ministry leaders together. And, and again, we just talked together and we clarified our purpose and our priority. And we began to think together about our practice and our plan. With our ministry leaders, we talked about communication and the need and desire to improve communication on all levels. With our ministry leaders, we talked about contact, about maintaining contact throughout the year so that no one feels alone and unsupported. With our ministry leaders, we've talked about collaboration. Meaning that we come together. It's not, this is your ministry and this is my ministry. It's that we come together and we promote and we participate in, in what each other is doing. We collaborate in that way. With our ministry leaders, we've, we've talked about uh, cultivating new leadership for ministry so that no one person feels that Everything is entirely upon their shoulders. We want, we want to be mentoring and discipling others for ministry leadership. And we've talked about consolidating ministries. With our ministry leaders, we've talked about consolidating ministries as necessary, identifying the core ministries and, and perhaps combining ministries and maybe even cutting ministries if need be. We're committed. I want you to know I'm committed 
to these one-on-one -on -one and workshop type meetings with our ministry teams so that we can serve and support one another in the days and months to come. And to help ensure that we're all moving in the same direction together. I know that some of you have great ideas for ministry as well. Many of you came forward. I was so encouraged by this. Many of you came forward with some wonderful ideas uh, when I first introduced this model in April. And I'm looking forward. We are looking forward to your involvement as you partner with others to bring those ideas to fruition. You've heard me say many times, and I will say it many more times, uh, we all play a vital participatory role in the health and well-being of the church. So, once again, grab a copy, back table if you'd like, look over it, pray over it, consider how you might participate in it, Talk about it. Let's talk about it together. Let's refine it, revise it together as necessary. Let's do it together. And I just want to make one final clarification before closing. When I talk about from mission to ministry, I don't mean that we leave the mission to do the ministry, but that the ministry is the mission. In other words, whatever we do in terms of ministry should always flow from and point to the mission. But in the end, it's not about ministry models. The model is just a tool. It's about being a church that understands and embraces God's call. It's about returning to the great commandment and responding to the great commission. It's about worship and witness and working together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about loving the Lord, reaching people for the Lord, building each other up in the Lord. It's about the good of His church and the glory of His name. I want to share more of that next week as we'll consider some specific applications as they pertain to East Parkway Church. So good to be back with you. And I'm excited about the days ahead. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is tried and true, eternal. That it is sharp, living, and active. That it penetrates our, our innermost places. It divides and never returns void. Do your work in each of our hearts this morning through your word. Make us to be men and women who are 
who are obedient to the great commandment. Lord, maybe we need more obedience today. More obedient to the great commandment and more engaged in the great commission. May we find joy and satisfaction and eternal commitment, uh, uh, contentment, eternal contentment in following you and trusting you wherever you lead. We bless you this morning. Amen.